even if you're a lifer, like me and you, yeah. Like let's say I train for another thirty years. That's forty-five years of jujitsu. Yeah. That's not enough time. No. That's not enough. Okay, guys, Splendid Torch Podcast. How are you, Pete? I'm outstanding, sir, and how are you? Oh, man, you look warm. I am warm. You look well insulated. I am very well insulated. My yeah. jawline is Non-existent? Covered. It's non-existent. Yeah, I mean, dude, I figure what are, I look you like. You are a shaggy, shaggy man right if now. If I wore my Navy jacket in here, I would look like the guy that lives in the dumpster behind <laughs> here. <laughs> you look like, like Tom Cruise and born on the 4th of July. <laughs> yes, Exactly. I'm rocking that look. I'm rocking it. I'm setting a new trend. You look like uh, Lieutenant Dan at, <laughs> at the New Year's Eve party at the bar when everybody's partying around them. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. Uh, just to be clear, and a lot of people, man, that's going to be another thing I talk about, but we've got a lot of students, yes. a lot of new students. Yes. So obviously within the last year, since last March, a lot of people enrolled. So when they see you, they might be like, oh, they employ a homeless man. <laughs> what they don't really realize is you're usually a very well-kept, well-groomed man. Yes, I do this with purpose. Yeah, so by the end of every year, like around Christmas time, you see Pete's face and... The foliage. Yeah, it comes in nicely. Thick. Because you want to... Because, dude, we could just shave your head. And it's not the same. It's not for effect. Yeah. We like to have you long and shaggy. Yes. So we, we do it for St. Baldrick's. Yes. Which you'll, you'll start hearing a lot more of that probably starting next week. Yeah. Let's like we'll start going. to do the campaign. If you don't know St. Baldrick's, it's, it's, most of you guys know about it by now, but it's where they do the head shaving events and they raise money for childhood cancer research. Yes. Which in the last two years, and I, I'm actually, they do a really good job communicating because we're like one of their associated like reps yeah. or whatever because we we do pretty well for yeah them. we do all right um, you know we had 10 grand over the last two yeah and and the last one was eight yes yeah so look at that so exactly. it's 11 i think it's 11, over 11 grand total yeah we've done what three times two events two events yeah we myself pretty, well last year did, I, I helped you out a yes, little bit. yes you did yes you did and then and then my daughters didn't talk to me for a month <laughs> um but they've been hurting the last couple of years the last year they're um their fundraising was down like 70%. Yeah. Because of COVID. Because yeah. you got to think, man, almost all of their events are, are done in person. And yep. and they weren't, which, whatever, man, history will probably judge them, judge them for this, but they weren't, they weren't sponsoring in-person events. Yeah. Because why? Because we live in this crazy litigious society where exactly. it's like if somebody goes to a head shaving event and they get COVID, they're going to sue the shit out of St. Paul's race. Yeah, because they take the money from the people with the good cause. Yeah. Genius. Um, you know, with an overabundance of caution, they, they, had, they didn't sponsor it. They were trying to do virtual head shaving events. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Because then they questioned didn't they question us when we were they looking at it? They did, and I was just, they were like, all right, well, you know, you can't do this. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this, yeah. and do you want the money or not? <laughs> like, I'm gonna, we're going to have a head shaving event, yeah. and you let me. And then they're like, well, you, you registered as this, but you didn't. I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to shave my head and Pete's head, yeah. and you're going to get the money. Exactly. And put it towards childhood cancer exactly. research. We're telling you what to do with the money now. Uh, yeah. They they were good. It's just they've got that's what happens. They're so afraid. much bureaucratic red tape. It's insane. Just wraps itself around everything like a fucking anaconda. You, it, it, 
it's just like, and I mean, look, there's good and bad, but there's reasons why you have to do when you want to be a coach, like in Marlton, if you want to be a coach, you have to go through a coach's clinic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good for three years, but then you got to do it again every three years. Does that include a background check? I think they do the background check. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Which is great. Which is good because you can't trust people. No, dude. I don't. I don't trust anybody for the most <laughs> it took part. Took me five years to trust you, and then you grew that beard, and now I'm I'm rethinking it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's why you look like yes. the way you do. Yeah, because I know be I know people up. look at me. Because I told you, you know, the people at my new job they've never seen me squared away. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty funny because my I'm like I'm sitting there on a call. I'm like, oh, man, I just can't. I, I actually just can't wait to get rid of it at this point. Just because they know, just thought you were on these like uh, yeah like hipster hippie beard guys yeah because one of the guys on the team this guy Adam he's a tester or a testy he's full on long like, like beard oil flannel no, shirt no 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 he looks he he's just doesn't look like he's squared away he wears a, like a rock shirt yeah or a comic he's a big comic book guy he does a comic book podcast. Oh, cool! So he does all, and he's but he. What, does, what's his comic book of choice? I I never got that deep into it, but I he's. Used, I used to be real big into the comic. I books. love comic books, man. They're so good. I forget. Every why. Saturday morning, we would go to uh, the comic book store. Every Saturday morning. <laughs> so when I was a kid, this way back in the day of old, we used to walk to. We lived in Pittsburgh. We used to walk to the uh, barber shop like every other Saturday, and it was your typical corner barber shop. The fathers were up on the front. They were talking to Steelers, Pirates, whatever. And they would send me to the table in the back. And the table, and I'm like four or five years old, and there was comic books everywhere. Oh. And I was like, this is great. And then I saw the Playboys, and I was like, <laughs> what's up? My dad's like, just stay away from that table. You stay at that little round table over there. But, yeah, I mean, from like three or four years old, I was really, I got Dude, isn't that funny? Big. Like, when we were kids... Any kind of like male dominated place like like a barber shop yeah. or anything like that. Or like the mechanics. There were Playboys <laughs> yeah, everywhere. everywhere. And then it and makes the you wall. think it makes you start to think like I get it. Like yeah. you're we're all signaling how manly we are. But you're about to get a haircut. Like are you <laughs> you really trying to like work one up right now? I don't understand the thought process there. Like well, you, <laughs> have the, you have the sheet over you, so nobody really knows what's going on down there. All right, okay, it's well, just—it's well, just—it's funny. Imagine that now, though. Imagine like you come in here to sign your kid up for jujitsu. <laughs> we had Playboys, and on there's the Playboys out. And when I was a kid, that was normal, <laughs> completely normal. Like Melissa tells a story, like her grandfather had, like you know, that the, the basement was like his man cave. But yeah. He was a musician, so he had like a like his guitars and. Yeah. And like his piano down there, but the kids weren't allowed to go down because once you open the door, the the, the <laughs> it was pretty much wallpapered, okay. wallpapered with just Playboys. That's insane. So it was just like a thing. It yeah. was almost like a I don't know if it was like a status thing. It was just it was it was like the same way you you double mask outside to yeah. to let everybody know. <laughs> like I'm better what, than what you. Rogan, Rogan was saying that the the mask is now the. The Democratic like MAGA hat, it is. Which it I would is. never wear a fucking MAGA hat, no. and I'm not gonna wear a double mask outside. Yeah. Um, I also wouldn't put a bunch of Playboys on my coffee table to let no. everybody know how manly I am. No, no, it's no. just insane. Well, you have an iPad for that. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, history looks back and like you gotta it's laugh just, at it. It's crazy. You have to laugh at it, man. You really, absolutely do. And uh, I, I, I mean. I couldn't imagine, I mean, Jack does get haircuts, but if he were to go to, you know, Fantastic Sam's, we walk in there, hey, how you doing? I need to get a haircut, and uh, Jack, stay away from that table. Yeah. 
You know? Yeah. I mean, look, I miss it, but you look at everything through rose-colored glasses. Yeah. If that happened, if if we grew up and then it wasn't like a normal thing and then randomly you go in and there's fucking Playboys everywhere, <laughs> it'd be like insane. Yes. We would have to pick it. it it's it's mad. Yeah, everybody's got their signs up front. Um, anyway, dude, so that's coming up fast. Yeah. That means we usually do it the same day we do uh, an in-house tournament. Yep. So we get that's all the kids involved. Up. And the kids love shaving our heads more than anybody. They they really – how many times do you say – and this is just over the last three months. Guys, guess what's coming up? And inevitably it's, we're going to shave Pete's head, Professor Pete's head. Well, anytime head. they see you looking like this, yeah, they know. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They smell blood in the water. They love it. Um. Yeah, there's so many ways I want to go with this. So one way is we're talking about how many students are coming in. And we've we've been vocal about this. And I did it on purpose. Like we talk about we don't set many goals as like an academy. I yeah. don't I don't set financial goals. I don't look at my bank account, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I don't really set um, any goals outside of a few like small specific ones in terms of purple belts and brown belts. Yeah. Just because – in What's the biggest hurdle jujitsu schools have? What's like the biggest drop off? It's a classic. Yeah, it's a blue it's belt. A blue belt. Yeah, blue belt blue. So one of the things that you know my uncle helped me to to really wrap my head around is like you can't really judge the health of the academy by how huge your your fundamentals class is. No, right? Because you can have 150 people in every white belt class. Exactly. And if you only have eight purple belts, what does that tell you? That means like thousands of people quit. Quit. And you're you're messing up. Oh, lady's going to smoke one down. I I brought it up. I have to interject here. Go ahead. It says right over here to the right. Uh, uh, that sign says you can't smoke twenty five feet from the building. I, I also can... I put my sm no smoking sign right in front of her face. Did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm absolutely. I'm like. If you guys didn't know, we we buy this beautiful building and they've designated eight feet away from our front door the the smoking place. But there's only one woman who smokes. Her. Is it? Yeah. I, She's the only one. Well, she's I, doing a good job. Yeah, she, she's good. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I'm really looking at how many purple belts do we have and how many brown belts. Yeah. And I'm real excited because <clears throat> next month's promotion, we got a bunch of purple belts going That's out. Awesome. And then we got a, a few more brown belts going out. So for the first time, when we line up, dude, it, it's going to be divided in that advanced class. It's going to be like the huge group of blue belts, as it always is. And purple and brown. But then purple, brown, and black yeah. is going to make up the other 50%. That's, awesome. That's really cool. But the main, main goal, like the one thing that we all track together as a group is that 500. Yeah. 500. And once upon a time, that was, it was like a crazy number. It's like when you ask a little kid, like, like how, much, how much money you want? A million. Yeah. It's just insane. It's yeah. insane. But probably by Saturday, we're going to have 500 students. That's awesome. It's really cool, dude. Why is that so exciting? Because it's 500 units of human influence. That's the important part. Yeah. It's 500 people who are changing their lives with yeah. us. And then they go out into the community and those ripples that, you know, we've been beating that dead horse and we've been pounding that drum. But there's purpose. There's it. a reason to yeah. pound that drum. Yeah. And we're, dude, we're making our mark. Melissa was at Whole Foods yesterday. <laughs> she told me about this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just funny, though. I don't know if I'm less approachable. I'm probably less approachable than my wife, especially for middle aged men. <laughs> um, 
you know, but people know and they, yeah. they know we're here and they at least know somebody who trains here or they've heard about us. Yes. And that's what we always want to accomplish. And the point being, this isn't me bragging or like, you know, pounding my chest. We've got 500 students. It's, it's, uh, I've only really set like five goals in my whole life, in my adult life. And one of them was I wanted to fight MMA. One of them was I wanted to get my black belt. One of them was I wanted to, uh, get to 300 students yeah. one of them was I want to buy the building and one of them was I want to get to 500 students well, you could, you're done we, we hit every single one you're going to quit yeah that's it Check I'm done I don't know what the lesson is maybe it's you're going to bum a cigarette from the lady over yeah. there the, I did I, it I think the secret is is you got to aim high right yeah you got to aim high but if you do it too crazy like if I if we goals have to be achievable They've got to be achievable. And measurable. I think and we've talked about that before. And there's got to be like a time frame. Exactly. All these things. I mean, you did it in under 10 years. The goal, well, I didn't really set it. Well, you will have achieved that. Well, I didn't. The 500 thing was, that was my uncle's idea. Because yeah. he, he was like, you need it. What's your goal now? Like, you're getting the building. What's your goal? I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Get better yeah. at jujitsu. <laughs> and he's like, you know, you got to stay focused. Yeah. And, and what happens when you stay focused? Like what it was so, what's so powerful, powerful about the 500 goal. It makes it so that we've got to be as sharp as possible. Yes. It's we're continuously fine tuned machine. Or are we continually, are we continuously or continually? I think we're continually. Why? I think it's either way. I don't like, I hate that. I do too. Is it instantly or instantaneously? I thought it was instantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so instantly, when you when you have this lofty goal, yeah. and like it's got to be lofty so that it's appealing, but it's got to be achievable so it's not like like you disregard it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna yeah, be, yeah, I'm gonna go be a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. Um, a million billionaire. But what happens is it helps all of us on on staff here dial it in, dial it in, become hyper focused, and it makes it. It keeps you on your toes in that every single interaction matters. Yes. Which they always do. They do. But when you have that very clear goal of, it's it's like this. Like RC's got a very big match coming up, which yes. apparently he's got a new opponent. Yeah, he's got a new opponent. Who? Ducky Farnsworth. Ducky McGee? Ducky Farnsworth? I forget who he said it was. Somebody, I think it's somebody he competed against before. Cool. It doesn't matter. Just do you, RC. It's not that Georgian Olympic wrestler, is it? God, I hope not. <laughs> Um, so like RC's got a match coming up. So already you can see in training, he's a little bit more dialed in. Yes. Everything has a little bit more intent. Yeah. You know, and like when we set that lofty 500, uh, student count goal, everybody's got to dial it in because every interaction matters just a little bit more. Yes. If, which is all for the best. It is. And I, I'll give a shout out to Adriana, Adriana. I'm sorry. She stepped up. Let me tell you something. Every time there's a new student, she comes right out to me. She comes right out to battle. Whatever's going on, she goes, we have uh, three new students. Yeah. We walk right over. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Meet the parents. Meet the child. Hey, how you doing? You're going to have a great class. Are you excited? Don't, you know? Yeah. And they're usually taken aback by my face. And the <laughs> Who's the homeless guy? You're not teaching my kids class, uh, are you? No, I have a way. I signed a waiver. It's all good. <laughs> But, you know, you go through that, and one, they, they kind of loosen up. You know, you see it. Then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. The parents feel a little better because we're addressing them. Yeah. We're, we're, you know, we stand out in the black gi, and when we, they, you know, they see us well, herding cats, and then we come over. We take the time to come over yeah. one at a time. 
shake hands, you know, the whole thing. The handoff. Yeah. It's very important. Building rapport, rolling out the red carpet. Exactly. All these things are, everything that we do, like, I'll let you guys in on, like, peering behind the curtain of, like, a staff meeting. We talk about red, white, and blue. Everything that we do here, and, like, from the outside looking in, you might think, man, they've got, they've got a, probably have such a, a solid procedure and like all these business high business minded it's red white and blue and it's gas fucking, yeah that's it <laughs> that's really every time we start our staff meeting it's like okay guys red white and blue yeah so red white and blue is roll out the red carpet so yeah. everybody everybody has to feel welcome whether it's their first class or they've been here with us for eight years exactly you got to roll out the red carpet because people this is the for a lot of people it's the best time of their day yeah. And and we would never squander that. Like yeah. we're happy to, we're genuinely happy to see you. White is white glove clean, yeah. right? So you, you that means like you know back in the day, you know the big thing was you wearing a white glove or like a drill sergeant, yes. and like you wipe one of the corners, and if yep. there's dust, you you fucked up, you get mashed. Yeah. yeah. Um. So white glove clean, but for us, we take that to the next level. Yeah, the school needs to be white glove clean, but so do our classes. Yes. Like so does our teaching methodology. Sharp. Yeah, it's got to be, can't be sloppy. It's got to be well put together, well um, articulated and yeah. well presented. Exactly. And then um, blue is blue ribbon service. Yeah. We've got to teach the best classes in town. Exactly. And then I kind of stop it there. And then and then the overarching principle above it is the gas method, which yep. is what? Give a shit. Yeah, I knew you were going to go with that I one. have to go with that one. So you can, it's a couple things. It's genuine, authentic, and sincere. sincere. Really, it's give a shit. Exactly. Which is the easiest way to remember it. Because if you're genuine, all the other shit falls into place. Exactly. If you really want to be an instructor, it doesn't really... I remember Ricardo told me that, and it really took a lot of weight off my shoulders. I was a blue belt... Um, we just lost, like, the person whose spot I took was pretty much Tony. Imagine, like, yeah. Tony leaves, Oof. and imagine, like, uh, like Jean-Luc comes in and takes his spot. Just some, like, young blue belt. I have yeah. no idea how old he is. He's, he's Cajun. I think he, he just could turned be, 30. He could be 19. Just his birthday was last week. He could be 40. He's yeah. Cajun. You don't know <laughs> these people. He's, he's a Creole. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's what I walked into. And then less than a month later, the other program director, lead person, Emily Kwok, she leaves too. Oof. I remember it was a Saturday morning. I'm like, shit, I got to teach like four different classes. I got to enroll everybody. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. I'm a blue belt. I'm kind of tough, but I don't, this is Ricardo Almeida jujitsu. Yeah. This is like the epicenter of jujitsu in the Northeast. And Ricardo comes in. He's like, he puts his hand on, on my shoulder. I didn't know he was coming in. So he walks in. I'm like, oh dude, I didn't know you were coming. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Pete, my man, we got this. You know, and that first made me feel good. And then I was like asking him about curriculum. He's like, dude, just teach what you know. You cannot teach a bad class. Yes. Just teach what you know. And you've said that to us. And you can't teach a bad class. Yeah. It's when we try to get too big for our britches yeah. and try to impress people yeah. that you lose it. Because you could see right through that shit. Yeah. Why? It's not genuine. It's not, it's not authentic. And, and it's, it's not sincere. sincere. Yeah. You can't, you know, it, you can't go on and look at you. Because, I, like, I... I I've seen it a hundred times where guys go, Professor, I saw this. I'm like, stay Stop. off YouTube, yeah. stay off InstaFace. Like it, uh, Jack, uh, was it Golnick? Golnick. He was doing something. I said, Jack, stay off of Instagram. Yeah, right? show me an arm bar. Yeah, first. show me an arm bar first. And dude, you're a good example of this. So if I were to have you teach, you know, when you teach fundamentals, yeah. or if I have you teach like an advanced class. I know you're not going to come out. You're not going to spend the night trying to research some crazy shit to wow everybody. No. Like you've been in this game long enough. 
where you can literally just teach the most basic of like topside Kimuras. Yeah. But you're so excited about it and you know all the intricacies because it's your game. Yeah. Where you're at the point now where as an instructor, the advancedness is in its simplicity. Yes. But you got to get there the long, hard way, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and the one thing that I find, especially, especially again, because we've been around a while, you know, I've done this for a few days, is the details are what make a the, simple the deets. The deets make a simple, over a quote unquote, simple technique advanced. Yeah. It's those little things, the oh shit moment to go, oh my God. Okay. Really? I agree. So, I would break it into two different things. Like there's two branches of a good uh, instructor, especially in the advanced situation. Overarching concepts, right? Like you have to control the head, you have to block the hip, yes. you have to apply pressure in this angle. That's the overarching thing. And then the deets, yes. which is like thumb or no thumb, yep. you know, pull towards your sternum, then put the hand behind the pocket. Like yes. those are the little details. Yep. You know, he's gonna react this way, so you do this. Those yes. are the deets, but you have to have both. Yes. And then the mistake is, which we've all been guilty of this, Tony's super guilty of this, but it comes from a good place, is over-explaining. Yes. Over-explaining. The best way to do it is you show the, another acronym for you guys, it's called DEPTH. DEPTH, write that down. It's demonstrate, explain, program, train, habitualize. That's really like our teaching methodology. Yeah. So you should show the technique, which is the broad strokes. Then you explain. That's like some of the details. Yeah. And then you program. That's step one, step two, step three, step four. And then they train it, right? And then they're building that muscle memory. And then they habitualize it by adding it into like their, their jujitsu game. Their jujitsu game, yeah. And that's an important way to do it. And I think, I think, and I know the way that I try to do it is like the first time through. It's like, here's the technique. This is the, we'll cover try to cover as much as possible. Or I'll go in and just say, look, this is the idea. This is what we're doing. Second time through, here's the things you didn't see. Yeah. Then we'll cover it a little bit more, a little more detail. The Not too much. Because it's like, I, we could sit here, we well, could, you could we, drill we an Americana. That, exactly. You can't program. It, it'd be like having somebody remember pi to like the fucking hundredth decimal. Digit. Yeah, you, it's can't. Not, yeah, you, you can't. You got to program four steps, four ideas. Exactly. Can you think of four ideas? Yeah. Once upon a time, you used to be, you used to be able to remember seven numbers. Yeah. We used to call those phone numbers. Yes. Like these days, when was the last time you memorized the phone number? I used to know everybody's phone number. Yeah, I still know my phone number growing up. Me too. That's great. 362 Well, it was 778-0060. Let's call it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, thing, the only thing that changed was it originally was 609, then it went to 856. Yeah, yep. Oh. Dude, everybody knows Jenny's number. Right? I got it. I got it for uh, a good time. Um. Anyway, <laughs> that's all... That's our uh, our business model. There, it's and it's simple. It's red, white, and blue, and it's gas. Yeah, it's very simple. We're painting with finger paints, basically. Yeah, you know, we're not trying. We're not doing Bob Ross. But that only works because I think it only works because we teach so well. Yeah, and we're so like serious about it. Exactly. And serious about like being very powerful communicators. And dude, we're excited as hell to be, be doing it. It's. It's simply exciting to come in, whether it's the kids' classes, the adult classes, or whatever. I, I, I'll say this. To come in, and you see the tinies going. Yeah. And 
you hear them, the excitement, they're going, you know, and I know there's, depending on what day it is, it seems, or the, the moon and where it's in location with the, the sun and all that, they may be a little haywire. There's no rhyme or reason. But no, there's not. You don't know what you're getting on any given day. You know, it's like when you go to the gumball machine. You're hoping for, oh, I want the oh, I got a white cut. one? Shit. Oh, damn it. Nobody that's, likes the white gumball. That's like, um, that's almost like you get a pack of like, like hyenas. And they seem like they're fine, you know? And then one of them gets pissed off, and before you know it, it's like, you ever see, like, at the dog it's a shit park? show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there's no, it's almost like there's no rhyme or reason. It like, doesn't make any sense. Like, everybody was fine yesterday. We were fine up till five minutes ago, and now everybody's eating each other's, like, tails <laughs> off. It's with the kids. It's, 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 it's like crazy. there's a wavelength. Yes. And once one, once there's a disturbance in the force, <sighs> it sends a ripple. It does. And it's just like, well, Wednesday, I, I always expect Wednesdays to be hell. Because the kids come in juiced for nogi. They're like the adults. Yeah, but that's good excitement. Yeah, that, it is. That, that kind of excitement, you can you can corral and, and focus. Channel, channel it. You yeah. can channel it. But anyways, coming in and, and to see the kid, the tiny sharks going, it's, it's awesome. It cool. And it's just, you see these little humans, you know, and they're just, they're waving at you. Hey, hey, hey you know, yeah. and you see their excitement. That carries over. That carries over right into the level three or level two classes. And then when you get to the, uh, the fundamentals class when I'm teaching that, man, I lo- it's the excitement, man. It's yeah. so exciting, you know? Well, I mean, I'll go so far as to say, and you, you probably already knew this, even if, you, uh, if we haven't articulated it, if you weren't excited about that, you wouldn't be in the position you are. Exactly. I've, I just, man, I freaking, I've said it a hundred times. Dude, this lifestyle. I love like, it. Like I was telling Scatino yesterday. Yeah. This lifestyle is not for not everybody. For everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys got to hear it here first because the timing was, was beautiful. So Scatino, <laughs> he had, he got another job. So, you know, in the last podcast we announced like he's coming on full time. Yeah. And, and then I think he woke up and, and started counting and he realized he's got <laughs> six kids. <laughs> yeah. So he went back to uh, his old job, but for the competitor. Yeah. So I've been, you know, and he feels bad. But he's like, dude, I want to do this. And, you know, down the road, I'm like, yeah, of course, we'll get you back in. It's not a big deal. No. It's not. But. About 25 years. He's so heartfelt. Like, I had to play yeah, with this you gotta, emotions. You got to give it to him. And so I'm like, James, look, man, I under, I'm not dis- I understand. This, this isn't for everybody. <laughs> Not everybody has the passion required, you know. Like yeah. not everybody answers the call. And he, to, I, he slumped. He slumped. Yeah, the, yeah, dude, slumped. the best is right after I say that the door to the office opens and it's Curtatus. He's like, I think congratulations are in order. I just listened to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's like shaking James's head. Oh, uh, it was so perfect. <laughs> Uh, so you guys heard it here first. James quit his professional martial arts odyssey to uh, go back to the union. It was a sprint. Yeah. He, at least he had. He did. Hey, he made his away. mark. He did. It was 10 days. Let me tell you, I got spammed <laughs> by him every day. Uh, we're just kidding, James. That's all good. We like you very little. That's like he yeah. was going to do the uh, St. Baldrick's, but I'm like, you're already bald. Yeah. yeah That's like Russ was like, oh, you want me? Last year, he's like, should I get in on this with you guys? I'm yeah. like, well, no. What are you going to cut? No, dude, you're just going to like waste a chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, dude, things are going well. And, uh, and so it, 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 the excitement's on the mat. Yes. And, and you see, when, like, we had um, Adriana's friend came in and trained last night. It was, I forget her name off the top of my head. Allison? No, Lauren. 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 That's it. And 
Uh, did you have a good nice time? kid? They were friends Very since nice. like kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, apparently the dad's a big cook, a big Italian cook. Oh, is he? Yeah, might have to get friendly with him. Yeah, but uh, so you know, she had a she had a great time, a great class, and especially this week because it's butterfly guard. Yeah, I always say like anytime somebody comes in for their first their first class is butterfly guard. I always say, look. I know you came in thinking about the principles of self-defense <laughs> yeah. and how this is going to make you better and fight in your, you know, in your Walmart parking lot. I go, we're doing butterfly guard. Yeah. So you have to wait two weeks. Dude, butterflies actually, Ricardo would tell you, butterfly is one of the more important MMA self-defense guards. It's just, you got to play the double on their hooks or the overhook game. Exactly. exactly. I, you know what? Maybe I'll do a video. I'll show you guys how quickly butterfly guard comes into play in self-defense i'd love to see it yeah it's fun too i love butterfly guard it's a lot of fun man if, if we were doing mma right now i'd be playing butterfly really yep what with the double underhooks oh double and unders. then the shoulder pinch yeah, yeah that's yeah. how i learned that from mma okay that whole series i did not learn it in jujitsu i learned body it from MMA. yeah doing that body lock. yeah you can't punch somebody when they're playing double under yeah. their wing their arms are all winged out and you can come up to your feet a lot easier like with that like that rocking chair yep. grapplers, grapplers lift, lift. yeah yeah, that's good. I love it, man. <laughs> Dude, the energy is on the mat, and, and jiu-jitsu does all the heavy lifting, which we say all the time. One of the things I was saying at the end of class yesterday in the morning and at night, something that, that I've been really thinking a lot about, and uh, it all started with, I think it was New Year's Eve, I maybe when I had COVID. I was by myself. Yeah. And everybody was sleeping, which is the only time I could watch a movie I actually like. And Gladiator was on. So I was like, oh, well, I know what I'm doing for the next two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. And if you guys ever saw Gladiator, which everybody did, they all raised their hands. There's a famous saying that, uh, I forget the guy, the slave trader's name, like the Gladiator trader's name. He says, shadows and dust. We're, We're all but shadows and dust, Maximus. Yeah. You know, meaning like your time here is short. Yeah. And, uh. I always, anytime I hear anything, I always, how does this apply to jujitsu? It, it always does. And I was thinking about how many students we have coming through the door. And it's funny because, you know, Tony is like a Labrador. Like Tony is just all heart, all optimism, all yeah. excitement, not as much pragmatism, you know? Yeah. Which is good. I, I'd much rather, he doesn't need to be a realist. He doesn't, I want his head in the clouds yeah. it, for his role. But we'll talk about, Retention, like how do we help people get through the blue belt blues? How do we get people to go from white belt to blue belt? How do we stop losing so many students? And I'm like, Tony, how, like, how many students do you think we lose a month? And he's like, oh, fucking zero, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like he's so optimistic. Yeah. And then remember a couple of weeks ago, we went through all those cards and we had a huge stack of cards, faces we haven't seen in forever. And it's not until you see those cards that you go, oh man, where did, where did that guy go? Oh, where was she? When did that kick stop coming? Just because, like I said, our business model, so to speak, we don't do much of the stuff that like karate schools do, which is like follow-ups and phone calls and emails yeah. and, and postcards. We we really take care of the people that are here. Scatino was going to start doing that other stuff, but you know he decided to to quit. Quitter walked away. But uh, I was just thinking about it, man. You know the stats, and I'm, I'm sure the stats have changed in the in recent years, but like 3% of people make it through to black belt. Oh, yeah. Right? 3% make it to black belt. So that means out of 100 people, 97 of them Fail. quit. They don't make it. So another way I was thinking about it was uh, for us, the average, the first drop-off we see 
in in terms of like students leaving is after 12 months yeah so like they're right around blue belt so it's either they made it or they didn't you know usually usually it's like they didn't make it and they quit just before um so you got to think dude the average like career span of a running back in the U in the it's three years NFL is like three point two years three point two years yeah. three and a half something yeah like that. so like the average like career quote unquote of somebody in, in jujitsu here no matter how much we like it or not it's about eighteen months like yeah. if you average everything together so for the hundreds and hundreds of but people that's coming the, in but that's the the question the, that's the que if we could find the cure or find the cure or answer this question. Well, that's what we're working on. But listen, let me finish my point. So you can say like the average span is you're only here for like a year and a half. Yeah. Which is not a lot of time. Nope. So even if you're here for 3.2 years, like even if you're just going to get your purple belt, which the majority of people listening even, and I know what you're thinking, like even if you're super gung-ho and, and like you live, breathe, and, and like you're all about jujitsu right now and you're like a one-stripe blue belt, you don't know what's right around the corner. Like we talked about on this podcast, chaos is always lurking. Yes. You could lose your job. You could get an accident. Like anything can happen. You could just decide that you'd rather do Krav Maga. Yeah. Which probably isn't going to happen. But there's craziness out there. You the never point. know. Even if you're a lifer, like me and you. Yeah. Like let's say I train for another 30 years. That's 45 years of jujitsu. Yeah. That's not enough time. No. That's not enough shadows and dust dude yeah. even if you have the most you know honorable and honest intentions to be here forever your time here is limited yeah. your time in jujitsu and on on earth is fucking limited so what do you do do you become nihilistic and yeah. say what the hell's the point anyway yeah or do you squeeze that lemon for everything it's worth so do you know who keith owen is black no. belt no um He's a Pedro Sauer black belt. Um, he is my age, was my age. He passed away this weekend, I guess, at oh, a wow. seminar, a Pedro at Sauer. A seminar. At a se seminar, a Pedro Sauer seminar. But he was a fifth or sixth degree black belt or something. And I, I learned of him through this guy uh, up in Canada. He used to do videos, YouTube videos. And this guy, R.E.K., I think it is. And I... I just, from as a wipeout, I started following him. So I got to see the progress. And the one thing that I was saw was the passion. The passion that, that, that Keith had, even a guy that had been training forever, he'd been a lifelong jujitsu guy. But to, like you said, his life was cut short at 52. Yeah. He got a lot out of that life. He did. He, he squeezed got a it. He squeezed it. You know, he he made a huge impact on Ari from the time it was a white belt all the way through his black belt. And Ari, like yourself, has, he was a jiu-jitsu, Japanese traditional jiu-jitsu uh, black belt as well. Mm -hmm. And he was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But at a, 52 years, he, he man, he jammed as much as he could in there. He's still going to seminars. His teacher, Pedro Sauer. You know, I mean, all you could do, and, and you know, obviously being my age, it hits me. You know, yeah. it hits me hard. Well, your your own limitations, your impending limitations, your your mortality is becoming more apparent. Trust me, I know that, dude. It's still very far off, but it's 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 easier 
when you're young, it's easy to disregard the fact that the ride stops one day. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I think we talked about it. I know we've talked about it. Maybe not on here, but you know, it, and it's, I think it's mostly boys, men, young men. You don't, you just don't give invincible. I, I did not I'm give fucking a invincible. Shit. I was like, hey, we're going to go jump off of uh, this bridge. It's 100, 100 feet up. You're in the water. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Before you it. finish the sentence, I'm halfway to the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Hey, let's. Oh, shit. He did. Yeah. <laughs> that was me. You know, that was me. You know, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to run all the way down. This was, we were out in California. It was huge. It was huge waves coming in. I mean, a legit 15 foot, you know, higher than the ceilings in here. And they were like, look, we need somebody to run and get caught by the lifeguards because they knew what we would do. So the one guy would be the distraction. He'd run up. He'd get caught. We'd just run right by, surfboards in hand, throw the board over the side and then dive off the, <laughs> off the pier into the water. And then, you know, you're getting killed till you get, then you find your board. Somebody gets your board for you and they understand the process. But it was, you know, we were playing chicken. And yeah. then you're jumping off, and I don't know what I'm, what's in the water. It's not like you have time to look down. I oh, want there's a shark you know, down. Land, what's yeah, going you on? You land on the reef. Look, there's, there's fishermen everywhere, so you maybe you might get hooked. They're chumming. <laughs> yes, but you know, you don't care. But as you start getting older, well, you start you, know, to, you start to to value your safety a lot more when you get yes. older. But it's not only that. Like, you know, they always say youth is wasted on the young. Yeah, it's true. Which, which the the sad joke is. When you're younger and you've got all this time, you're way more prone to wasting it. Yeah. You know, like it's, I got plenty of time. Yeah. And then the older you get, you value your time so much more. You don't want to waste any of it. But but the unfortunate truth is you're not as capable as you once were. Yes. So like youth is wasted on the young. So imagine, imagine now with all your knowledge and your wisdom and your experience, your hard-earned experience, if you were at just as capable as you once were, which in a lot of ways you are, but in yeah. a lot of ways you're not. You're not. All right, an example. Yesterday, you know, I've been joking all night and all morning about how sore I am. And like, I feel like I was in a fight because I was. You were. I did it like an Abu Dhabi wrestling match with, <laughs> with Casey, Casey from the feet. And uh, not the smartest thing to be doing at this point. I'm 37, which I'm not old. You're not old. But I mean, is there anybody more like dangerous and explosive than Casey? with more high octane in the academy. No. No, I don't know that I've ever ex met anybody on the mats in any of my endeavors. Like him. With the power and explosiveness and dare I say like uh, disregard for human safety. It might be the thing. And it's not malicious. It's just he doesn't know how fucking explosive exactly. he is. That is very true. Yeah, like him just like rolling out of something. He doesn't realize it's like when an alligator grabs your arm. Yeah. It does like the death roll. But there's part of me that's like, you distract the lifeguard. I'm going to jump <laughs> over the side. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to let that go, man. But yeah. the truth is, it, I pay a price. I, there's a toll. Like you were when feeling I, it last night? I was feeling, feeling it all day. Yeah. But it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Like, I want to squeeze that, that lemon or, you know. Squeeze. The juice is worth the squeeze. Hell yeah, dude. One of the best quotes ever from a very underrated movie, Girl Next Door. Yes. Um, another thing to think about is, did you see that Netflix movie, Don't Look Up? <laughs> yeah. It's great. Now, let me tell you something. And not to get too much into the movie, it's so ridiculous that it's absolutely what would happen. Totally. Totally. I'm, the whole time I'm watching this, my follow-ups, this is 
bullshit. I'm like, nope, pop. That's exactly. This what is would exactly happen. what would happen. It's funny because every everybody on any political front is like, they're talking about the, these people. They're talking about these people. Everybody thinks it's about the other side. It's both sides. It's everybody. It, they're you all. Know? But it got me thinking a few things. First off, if you guys listen to Rogan, you hear Randall Carlson on there all the time. And yeah. he's talking about the last episode, especially, he's talking about just the high likelihood that there's going to be an impact. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's yeah. happened a bunch I of times. I started listening to it. He was down in Texas looking and at it. And he's like, thing. you know, we're doing nothing to, to stop it. Whatever. We live in such a blink, like a flash in the pan. Yeah. That, like, Whatever, it's probably not going to be our generation yeah. or even Scarlet's, but eventually, and hopefully by then, somebody's put enough thought into redirecting these fucking <laughs> natural missiles coming towards us. But I, you know, don't look up. Imagine right now we turn on the news and it's like, guys, sorry to let you know, <laughs> there's there's an asteroid the size of Texas. There's this is a world ender. Yeah. We had a good go. Um, it's over, Johnny. Yeah, like. The first thought is like, I just fucking wasted. I'm, I'm just, you know. I know. Oh, God. Like, is your first thought, I just wasted 15 years building this thing, this skill yeah. for what? You know? Like, you could see why some people would go that way. Yeah. But the opposite for me. It the opposite be. would be, I got to. I got to I got do to, this. Most people are just living to live as long as possible. Yeah. With, that, with the least amount of pain Purpose. possible. Yeah. They're like, all right, let me just get through to 80, 85 sounds great. I don't want to have any hardship. I don't want anything to feel uncomfortable. Let me just get through. Yeah. They right? don't train here. And then they're like, no, no. <laughs> you know, and and we've been we've been conditioned to think like work hard, work hard, work hard. Then yeah. you get to retire. You get to retire when, by the way. I'll never retire. You'll never retire. Most people won't. You know, my father-in-law is looking for work. Most people are going to have to retire when they're in their like mid-70s. Yeah. And then what? You, exactly. You sit bent, humped, humped over with two bad knees on the on a folding chair on the yeah. beach. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. The the real way to do it is you find something that that sets your goddamn soul on fire, and you find a way to eke out a living doing that. Exactly. And if you're passionate enough, and you're talented enough, and the stars align, you get to have a really good go around. Yeah. That's the way to do it. It is the way to do it. And I know that I saw this documentary not too long ago. There was this, uh, there was an asteroid coming in. So they got these guys and they worked the oil rigs <laughs> and they flew, they had, I think they had like three of these, th they flew up on like, it would look like the space shuttle and they started drilling in. Oh, that sounds like a good documentary. It's good. Was, uh, how was the music? I'm never a fan of Aerosmith, but <laughs> really, uh, yeah. I Aerosmith. How do you not like Aerosmith? I just never liked them. Oh man, that, I like that lead I like, singer's hot, dude. She's got like that the black hair. Yeah, that's kind those of those tight jeans. She's kind of cute. <laughs> I like Joe. She never a wears job. a shirt. I'm like, this is like gratuitous, <laughs> obscene. Concerts got stopped for that in the '70s. I like Aerosmith. Get a Grip was the first CD. I, I got a Walkman, a Discman for Christmas one year when I was like, I don't know, fucking seven, eight years old. And uh, get a grip was the only was the only CD I had. Really, which well, it's a great album, dude. I, I sweet you, emotions on I there. Just never, there was like, like they have one or two songs that I like, but I just his voice just never really got it for me. And, but at the same time, I loved Rush. I'm like, you want to talk Rush up <laughs> Rush up yeah, I like Rush. I love Rush, man. I was so happy I got to see uh, Neil Peart uh, play because he was just unbelievable. Anyways, what an what an unattractive man. 
What an unattractive man. Neil Person with the long hair? Well, he had short hair before he He's with, like with the chin. He kind of looks like an old lady with no lips, uh, the glasses. He's the singer. No, Getty Lee is the singer, oh, yes. that poor guy. Yeah. Terrible looking man. Yeah, although, you know, his mother survived, uh, I think it was Auschwitz. I mean, all right, so now she, you're making me over. look like a dick. No, 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 the no. Guy, it's, it's that just has history. nothing to do with the guy being hideously no, 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 unattractive. No. <laughs> he, he, look, they had... Like, how dare you? You're going to get me canceled. <laughs> For saying this fucking guy's ugly. No, 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 like, no. His no, mom, that's... Auschwitz, I get it. No, that was she's a, little... a hero. I, like, <laughs> and I commend her for her, her resilience. And it was a terrible thing, obviously. No, that... That's, obviously, that's what not... the Nazis did was an awful thing. <laughs> I didn't I'm say on you record. were pro. Yeah, I didn't Jesus. say you were pro. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm like... It's funny because, you know, he come, he and... Um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank. Alex Lifeson, the guitarist, they were childhood friends. Yes. And they, they just Canadians. Yes, they're from Canada. And they just like they did their own thing. They just didn't fit in. I watched their um, the documentary. Maybe you told me to watch. Yes, that. it was really good. Was what was really the good. What was the title of that? Uh, I forget the name of it. But I I watch. I've it watched good. It, five it was good. Really, it was good. really good. And then they talked like I never realized. Um, like you were just saying, they've got such a weird sound. Yes. Uh, but really, like his voice. Like orchestra, like um, it's so many layers, so many fucking layers to their music. Well, Neil, it was funny because they were, you know, the first couple albums. Nobody gives a shit about this, by the way. Yeah. Kelly might be listening and that's about <laughs> it. That, Kelly will enjoy this. Yeah. Oh, he's, I told you, he's a big Allman Brothers fan. So. Is he really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that was the soundtrack of my childhood. Yeah. Um, Dwayne Allman was his, uh, is his inspiration guitar-wise. But anyways, anyway, I go on and on. But yeah. I loved it how Neil Peart was working at a drum store. Or his father's auto part. No, it was a uh, tractor store. And then they they said, hey, do you want to audition? And they, he pulled him out. All of a sudden, they go, my God. It's like John Bonham in Canada. Yeah. And he just, they were like, all right, we want this guy. But he was brilliant. And like the three of them, like they were on tour with Kiss, mm -hmm. their first tour in America in like 73 or something like that. And they go, Kiss is like raising hell. Yeah, they don't even like drink and they're party. Sitting, right? they, there's a picture they're of all three of them like in their bed reading books. <laughs> they're like, who are these guys? Yeah, now look at Gene Simmons today and look at, actually, one of the guys from Russia just died, right? Uh, Neil Pert, drummer. Yeah. He had brain cancer. That sucks. That's a damn shame. That's sad. I also am against brain cancer, just so you know. I don't know. I, not, I saw you over there Googling pro-cancer. <laughs> no, I'm not a proponent. <laughs> um. Yeah, dude, we got a lot we could talk about. There's, um, I, I, the one thing that I, I but I, I hold on this. Yeah. So we, we, I don't know how the fuck we ended up on on Rush because we started talking about, about Aerosmith. Aerosmith. So, uh, oh no, Big Doug is wearing red, um, and one shorts. It's driving me nuts. I'm gonna go spear him from the back. You're gonna need bigger board shorts for that guy. Damn it. Anyway, um, do we have those ones you got from Patty? We should. <laughs> The American, the, it's like a flag, <laughs> like the one they, the, the the one they have at the uh, NASCAR races. That's yeah. it's fifty by twenty. I, uh, yeah, those were fucking ridiculous, dude. They were we fit three guys in those. <laughs> what am I gonna do with these now? The the point I want to make with the uh, <laughs> this went off the rails a long time ago. <laughs> the point I want to make, though, it was an important one with that that movie. Don't look up if you didn't know. It's and the asteroids coming, and, yeah. it, and it does come because nobody does anything, and it's all because of corporate greed and, and stupidity, really. 
um, a blind trust, which is also dangerous. But I want you to think, man, and most people have a very adverse reaction to this, and rightfully so. Like, death is scary. Like, the, the thought of it all ending is terrifying. Yes. It doesn't mean it's not. Like, we've all got, it's funny, like, my uncle would say this, when uh, COVID happened and you start hearing the word comorbidity, and yeah. it's like, hey, guess what? We've all got a comorbidity. We've all got a terminal illness. Yeah. It's called being alive. Exactly. Like, the one thing is that none of us are going to get out of this alive. Exactly. Um, that's the whole memento mori thing. You know, remember your death. Memento mori is remember your death. It's, I think it gets mistranslated sometimes. But remember your death means like you're going to die. So right now, what's the best way to handle your life? Yeah. It's like we're talking about. Live to make it purposeful. Purposeful. Like, like squeeze, yeah. squeeze the squeeze juice. Squeeze the life out of it. Squeeze the juice. <laughs> but imagine this. Like imagine that... The asteroid is coming. Short reference, good yeah, for you, <laughs> dude. Imagine like the asteroid's coming, or uh, imagine in imagine in ten or fifteen years it's gonna come. Yeah, because they can map it out up to like three hundred years. It's like, crazy. I just read something in like two hundred years, one's gonna hit um, Saturn. And how do they do that? It's calculations. Yeah. a bunch of dorks. You got a bunch of mathematics. A bunch guys. of fucking geeks. They all work with Jean Luc somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but imagine that. So if 12 years from now, you know, it's going to end. What do you, are, do you become a hedonist? Like every day you're just like party, party, party. Yeah. Just partying, getting fat and trying to like, no, like get it in. Cause you're not going to get the 12 years at that point. Most likely. Well, there's that. And, and if you leave a, live a hedon, I said 12 years on purpose. Like if it was 12 months, then I, you know, we'd all, we'd keep training, but we'd be drinking bourbon on the mat. Yeah, like we'd be, <laughs> we'd be cutting loose yeah. slightly. Um, but 12 years, you still have a lot of responsibility to your future self. Yeah. Like you still have to take care of yourself to enjoy. That's a long time. It is. That's a ish. That's a long-ish time. It's a long enough time where you can't just let the chips fall where they may and treat yourself like shit. Yeah. But. You're still accountable but, to yourself. But the clock is ticking. Yes. There is an, there's a clear end date. So what do you do for 12 years? How do you, how do you find as much purpose as you can? I would, I dare to say you probably, even though the end is more near than you anticipated, instead of cutting loose more, I bet you tighten the ship a little bit That's more. That's what I would do. I bet you become a little bit more disciplined. Why? Because with discipline, you get freedom. Discipline yeah. equals freedom. And you're probably going to challenge yourself a little bit more. You're probably going to see what your body's capable of a little bit more. You're definitely not going to sit on the fucking couch. Yeah. You're definitely not going to... You're not going to be able to tell me what happens on like the Netflix feed. No. Things are going to change. Yeah. Now here's the here's the kicker. We act as though like we see the number and I don't want to be morbid, but this might help some people. We see the like the you know average mortality age is what like 76, 76. Something like that. So we automatically assume We'll make it to 76. Yeah. You can't assume anything. That's not how that works. No, guy. it does not. That's that's when they average out millions and millions and millions of My people. My birth certificate has no expiration date. Yeah. Totally. I'm good to go. So here's the thing. I said that asteroids coming in 12 years. You're at your personal asteroid could be here in 12 months. Yeah. In 18 months. That's a good way years. to put it. You don't know. Your personal asteroid. Yeah. It could be a 72 Buick just chucking down a road and sideswipes you. Dude, I was driving Scarlet to school today in my, at an intersection. My light turns green. 
and there were still people turning left in front of me. Mm-hmm. So there's turn right, but they were in the middle of the intersection. So you let them go. You let them go. And I, I make the left-hand turn right before I do. The road I'm turning onto has two lanes, and there's like five people stopped in the one lane, and on the far lane, this guy, I don't know if he had a brain fart. He didn't even pump his brain. He blew through that red light at like 50 miles an hour, 20 feet from me and Scarlett. It shook me up so much. I stopped my car in the middle of the intersection. I look up at the light. I'm like, it's green. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I didn't fuck up because no. it was so blatant yeah. that I was like, oh shit, did I just run a red I light? did I do something? He, yeah. dude, he fucking blows through this red light. Like, doesn't even tap his brakes. So I gun it. I follow him. I'm, you know, I'm going to rip him out of the car. I'm fuming. fuming you should dude. be. This is my baby girl. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I don't have my knife, so I don't have to worry about stabbing anybody, but I'm going to kill him. I'm yeah. going to pull him out of his car. I, I gun it. I'm going like 65. I pull up next to him. I look. He doesn't even look at me. He. It didn't even register. Yeah. It didn't even fucking register. I follow him. He goes, he turns into a neighborhood. I'm like, this guy's going home. Like, it, he doesn't even realize he almost killed somebody. Yeah. That's fucking terrifying to me. And it's more, if it was just me, I, whatever. I'd give him the finger and keep going. But Scarlett was in the car. So in my head, I'm like, you you tried to kill my daughter. Yeah. So that's now the way I'm going to kill you. Yep. Luckily, like, I calmed down. But... That could have been my per- our, our personal astro. Oh, yeah. So it, it was a scary thought that, like, all right, this dumbass is out in the world. How many more dumbasses like this are out there? The majority. Dude, so That's, how do you live your life? You got to be cautious, but you got to understand you're not guaranteed anything. Nope. The only guarantee is no guarantee. I mean, it's it's quite simply that. I think that's what my father Shadows used to tell me. Shadows and dust. Exactly. Maximum. Shadows and dust. It's perfectly put. Yeah. That's... that's uh, and again, I, I think it's living your life with purpose, you know, whatever your purpose is, you know, for us, it's being here, man, you know? So Chris and I have been talking a lot about this and, and you know, he codifies it into like a, a seminar, a lecture, if you will. And his thing is he uses the imagery of the, of the compass and we're in the sauna we're like 45 minutes in brains melting out of our ears, but we're, that's when the good shit comes out. Cause you're like, it's psychedelic. Like yep. you're pretty much tripping your balls off at that point. And we're going through like the whole imagery of, of the compass and you use the compass. It'll tell you where to go. Like you have to, you got to like lean into like your passion. Like yeah. you got to, you got to aim at something like Jordan Peterson will say, and, and you follow your true North, like wherever, like your soul is kind of leading you. So it's not always going to be completely accurate, but as long as you're moving forward, you can course correct. Whereas if you're staying still, obviously you'll never get anywhere. Yeah. And then he's talking about the other side of the compass is like fear and, and negative emotion, but that kind of tells you where to go too. Yeah. Right? Like fear is a great indicator. If you're scared of something, it's because you put value on it. Mm-hmm. For example, like when I did that X Factor presentation, the thought of doing that was scary to me, so that's why I did it. Yeah. That was the only thing I gained from that. Yeah. Was doing something that I found to be scary. I it wasn't a fuck I don't I don't network. It's a growth moment. Growth moment, yeah. totally. But then I was like, Wait, dude, I get it, but Chris, like you're talking, like one of the problems is he's always talking from a place of like me and him, like people who have spent the last like 20 years creating these compasses, so we can we know enough about ourselves, yeah. and we've tried enough shit. You're the minority. Well, we're definitely outliers, and I'm like, dude, most people don't even have a compass. He's like, oh shit, it's true. So how do you form a compass? How do you form a compass if if you don't have one in your hand? Like, where do you start? Yeah. What do you think? Like, how would you even start? Because this is what we have to acknowledge. Most people don't even, like, you tell somebody to. They like, just go through life. 
Exactly, because we, we put so much trust into in institutions and, and just like tradition yeah. to bump us along, like bumpers on like a bowling alley. Yeah. But those insti institutions clearly are failing us. A lot of them are so outdated that it's it's archaic, that yeah. modern life is not congruent with these institutions. Yeah. So how do you encourage somebody to find something that they find purposeful? You. They don't even know where to start. They don't know where to start. That's what I was just going to say. Because they, they don't. They just, well, you know, I'm supposed to do this. You're not. Why are you supposed to do it? Because so-and-so said so? Dude, look, you went to college. You got the job. You got married. You got the kid. You got the house. And you're, and you're fucking miserable. What do you, how do you change that? Yeah, and like, do I you, don't blame you. So you did everything that was asked of you. And when you were a little kid, they told you do these things. And that's that's how you live a good life. And then you get there and you realize, oh, shit. I'm full of anxiety. I'm full of depression. Yeah. Like I, I don't feel good. My 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 brain is cloudy. My my uh, my relationships have no passion. They're lacking. Yeah. Like what the fuck is missing? Yeah. And then you say, follow your compass, and you're like, hey asshole, I don't have one. My my advice would be, how do you forge a compass from nothing? Is you just start leaning into things that are difficult. Yeah. Challenges. Challenges. Physically and mentally. Like start pursuing mastery in anything. I think the physical the physical challenges will help develop your mental strength and will allow you to provide the confidence you need for the into, next thing. Yeah, for the next thing. And not only that, like it's a cocktail, man, for when sure. When you start moving, you're moving in one direction towards mastery of anything. Yeah. Why do you think hunting is such a huge appealing thing to such a new generation? Like I just bought a bow, yeah, and I fucking can't wait. And like I'm talking, to, I'm talking to all my hunting buddies, and yeah. like John Thomas, John Thomas texts me randomly. He's like, "Dude, I'm so excited for you. You don't understand. Yeah. You're really gonna like." It, I think like hunting, jujitsu, you know, any kind of martial art, even like CrossFit, yeah, and even like marathon running, yeah. all these challenging things—they're so appealing, and people respond so well to them. Why? What do you think? Well, they're not easy. And it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. You have to invest in yourself to get good at it. You don't, you know, you're not just picking it up and going, oh, look at this. It's so hard. It's hard. It, it requires this. It's challenges. It's really a challenge. So I think the what biggest challenge for when you start bow hunting is actually getting the deer. Yeah. That's the heart. That, yeah. You're just trying to do one part of it. You're just trying to dial in your aim, learning how to breathe, when to pull, when to release, you know. The angle, the trajectory, how the wind's going, it's going to drop. What's what's the drop over 40 yards? Stuff like that. There's a lot that goes into it. So that takes a lot of work to do that. Well, I'm, I'm going to just do it with my bare hands. Oh, you should. I, you, I plan on you get, climbing you get a tree your knife and then just jumping the out of the tree. And and right in the throat. Figure that would be the best challenge for me. That would be a good way to do it. I don't want to be too good. I, look, man. I, I mean, want to give the deer a chance. <laughs> do you wear a camouflage black belt? So it's funny, man, because... The world has become, and which is, this is going to sound crazy, right? People are going to respond weird to this. Life is too easy. It's coddled. Life is too easy. Cushy. But listen, it's gotten so easy that it's impossible. It's gotten so easy that it's hard. It's gotten so easy that it's depressing. If there's, we, there's such a lack of danger yeah. that we have anxiety. We have padded isn't that walls. Fucking, isn't that so, that's like an oxymoron. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And it's a paradox. This goes back to what we discussed before with the greatest generation. They had it freaking hard. The Great Depression. World War II. Yeah. Korean War. 
they they took this country and built it up bare hands because it, it wasn't just oh we're all in an office building in new york city no there's coal miners there's guys in still mills there's guys in manufacturing they're laying out the railroads they're building, they're, you know, repurposing the roads. Dude, and on top of and that. And it was hard work. It was and they hard were hard work. people. Look, it was hard work. And there was, they got to sit back after that railroad was built and be like, look what we built. Drinking a nice Stroh's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you got to see the physical result of your hard backbreaking labor. Yeah. And now you got to think like, look at your job, man. I mean, I don't know anything about it yeah. other than like occasionally you have launches. But yeah. But like when you build it, it's not like you can hold it in your hand. So no. that's got to like if you didn't get feedback from your coworkers, nothing in the world would have changed for you. Yes. It's hard. Yeah. Luckily, you supplement that with this. Yes. So like everything that you're lacking in your professional life, you get here. Yeah. But most people live in these virtual kind of it's very rare that somebody has a physical product in their hand. Look what I built. Look what I did. Yeah. Nobody's I mean, and you could be a framer. You know, you can be a bricklayer, whatever it is. You're seeing something the be trades. completed. That's yes. why Mike Rowe is onto something brilliant. Man. Yes. Mike Rowe works like that. I love that charity. Yeah. He, he's all about why. He's like, why? Why do we convince a few generations of people that the only way, the only path towards like financial stability and 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 like a quality occupation is through college? Yeah. And then he like you know he's always highlighting the trades how much money they make yeah. and and what they actually accomplish and what do they what do they build? I'd say there's got to be a lot of I wouldn't know man I never had a real job there's got to be a lot of like positive emotion associated with that with that. Yeah, I, but uh, I mean when it comes look. But anyway, with the yeah. the point of this whole thing was how do you even build a compass if you don't have one? I'm biased, but I would say this: get on the mat. Get on the map. But do you think that'll really help somebody? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know I mean, if it will. Hold on. Let me look into the window of where everybody's training. There's this guy. Uh, yeah. Fuck yes, it will help because all those people look fulfilled right now. Exactly. And and it gives you so many outlets. The mental, human chess, it's there for a reason. The physical, right? You're, you're, you're getting better physically. And well, it, the, the physical we could break down in a lot of ways. One being oxytocin, serotonin, yeah. dopamine, all adrenaline, good stuff. all the feel-good chemicals, yeah. all the tribal chemicals, that the the interpersonal chemicals, yeah. the the goal-oriented chemicals. So, like serotonin, really, what it does, and like dopamine, it, it rewards you for pursuing goals yeah. because how would that what would that have looked like ten thousand years ago? Nature wants you to feel good when you're trying to like get that animal to yeah. feed everybody. Nature that's wants you to feel good. Tiger. Yeah. Nature wants you to feel good when you're finding shelter for everybody. Yeah. Like that's what we're getting rewarded for. So when you're pursuing you mean it's goals, not from playing games online. No, it's not. Well, we learned how to hijack it. We learned how yeah. to like shortcut to it yeah. and look what it's done to yeah. us. We're broke. Dude, our brain is fucking broke. The supercomputer has a virus. Yes. But then the other side of the physicality here is you get this one meat wagon, dude. For now, we're all meat puppets, man. Well, we'll all see in like takes. twenty years. Yeah. Who knows? You know, metaverse is coming and all this craziness. But you get one meat wagon. Yeah. Don't you think you should make it perform as well as you possibly could? Optimization. Hell yeah, that's what it's about. That's I agree with you. Yeah. Dude. I don't know. We went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. But you know what? Though every once in a while we kind of go off the rails. But it's that's where we get the good stuff. But it is good. Before stuff. we sign off, I wanted to talk about. 
Um, you wanted to talk about like like accountability, lack, lack yeah. of accountability, especially with the kids. Like yes. your wife is a teacher. Yes, and she's dealing with like just for instance um, today. She's two kids are just totally like, and we're talking fifth graders, totally about the brawl. She sends them down to the office. Principal's vice principal goes, "I ah, just said put them in different corners." Okay, guess what happened? One kid got his face smashed into a brick wall. Yeah. Why don't you make these kids accountable for what's going on? Because then the mom and the dad come to the office. How dare you, uh, you know, pick on my kid? Yeah. And your lack of whatever. It's not them. It wasn't their fault. It was the teacher in the school's fault. Yeah. Wait a second. This is a vicious circle that starts. I mean, I'll give you one other example. She had a kid. This was 15 years ago, maybe 20. 18, 20 years ago, man. Who knows? She had a kid. The kid was like, I can't bring my my trumpet home to practice. Mind you, she's a music teacher. So these kids are voluntary in this in this class. He goes, She goes, okay. She arranges for their her, the kid to have a trumpet at home. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to worry about bringing it on the bus, getting picked in or whatever. Picked Great. on. Great. All you have to do, she she says, all you have to do is practice. And you're gonna get a good you're gonna get a grade. You're gonna get a good grade. Kid doesn't practice. So gets a fail. Gets a fail has a conference with the principal, the parent, and her. And this woman's irate. How dare you fail my kid? She's like, your kid doesn't practice. Vice principal, or the principal, whatever, is like, just stop. Give him a B. Really? Or whatever it was, a C, whatever. Give him a C. She's like, for what? He didn't earn it. Yeah. He didn't earn it. I, I That whole... Yeah. So I, I always... like a new thing. It is a new thing. No, it's not new. It's been around. This has been at least 20 plus Dude, years that it's like that. Scarlet's... I would have got smashed. Oh, totally. My dad has so many funny stories about, like, he went to a Catholic school in Manhattan when he was little. And, like, you know, he was a jokester. And then he would talk about how the nuns would beat the shit out of him. And then by the time he got home, they had called my grandpa. <laughs> and then he beat the shit be, out yeah. of him. <laughs> that was me. But, dude, Scarlett, one of her favorite things these days is playing school. So she comes home from school and she sets at, like up her teacher's desk and she's the teacher. And like I've me, Melissa, and Avery have to be the students. So she's grading our paper. She gives me mine and she gave me an F. <laughs> so everybody's laughing at me. I, and I look at her, I go, wait till my mom hears about this. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of how it is now. Yeah. But look, it's not all bad. Places like this exist. There yes. still are some really great teachers doing their very best. But, you know, I look, I'm not going to name names. We have a couple teachers here. And one of them was telling me that if you were to give somebody an F, a failing grade, you have to like be prepared to go in front of a board and like and explain, explain it out. why. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Anyway. How I about want, the kid's jerk? He doesn't do his work. Yeah, yeah. Look, let's look at the flip side of the coin. We'll end on a, on a positive note. Yes, let's please. Think about some of the kids we have here. One of them I want to highlight is Josh Hernandez. Yes. Which is my man, dude, Josh. All right, so Josh, Jack, all like the big kids in, yeah. in level two. Um, John and like Wyatt, they they come up to me yesterday. They're like, "Can you name our group?" I was like, "You you want me to name you guys?" I'm like, "How about the Dum Dums?" <laughs> like kidding. So did you hear them all? You're deaf, but the whole class like quiet. They'll just go Dum 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 Dum. I did hear that Dum Dum because I was down there with them. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> but anyway, I was talking to Melissa about um, Josh. He's doing so well. And, he really uh, is. And his mom is so like she got this made. Yeah. Always like getting us like cupcakes for events. Yeah. And she's very supportive of the very program. Supportive. And Josh is thriving. 
Yes. Thriving. And it's funny because Melissa was telling me she was talking to Josh's mom last night and uh, she can't watch him do Randori. Yeah. She's just like, oh, I can't, I can't watch. And then last night was like one of the first times, but even still like her hands are clutched yeah. and she's like kind of looking at it, squinting out of one eye. Oh, and he's going with like one of the dum-dums, yeah. one of the big strong kids and he's doing great. Yeah. And she's like, I cannot believe yeah. how well he's doing. Yeah. She's like seeing her kid performing high level jujitsu, defending himself against those kids are crazy. They're yeah. they're you know they're they're all dosed up with testosterone. <laughs> they're like they're like going through puberty, so yeah. they're like crazy. Beautiful mustaches coming in, <laughs> and he's doing really really well because yeah. he's he's a smart kid, yes. and now like he's applying his physicality a little bit. And his mom was just like, I can't begin to explain to you what this has done for him. Yeah. You see it. That's still out there. You see man. it. I posted that video of Jack and uh, Josh going yeah. on, uh, I think it was, was two, Monday night? Was Yeah, it was Monday night. And it was, because uh, I, I always break their stones about stuff all the time. They respond really they well love to it. it. They love it. Because they're at that age where they're like, they appreciate, they appreciate they it. They do. They really they know do. what it means. And, they, it, cause, and they it's coming from a good spot. They appreciate the attention. Yeah. They appreciate being in on the joke. Yes. They appreciate like being separate from the little kids. Yeah. It's a it's a good thing, man. There's there's still a lot of like avenues for these kids to experience life in the same kind of way that we did. Yeah, right? and they're getting they get so much out of this, man. And it was great. So Josh called me out last week. He said, "We're gonna go right," and I'm like, <laughs> "I forget who somebody needed a partner." And and I was like, "Okay, let's go." And I'm like, "Oh well, Sammy." I was like. I guess Sammy's going to go first. After, I go, if you get through Sammy, then you get to me. So last night, Kiritatas was going to, like, John, that's my Back guy. off. That's my guy. Yeah. So we went in, and we went at it, and it was pretty fun. So Yeah. yeah he's take five. I yeah, got this one. I got this one. Nice. All right, man. Before these batteries die. Yeah, we went through again. 30 batteries. but uh, Guys, I have a, a PSA. Don't buy batteries from a dollar store. <laughs> yeah. We've yeah, gone through just eight. Just so you know... Uh, <laughs> Oh no! Mercury added wires. Oh, that's they why. wrote that. They wrote that with magic marker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, e circuit made in China. Super heavy duty. I think not. Their diet. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you guys.